Hey guys, welcome back to Recipe to the Road podcast, where my guests and I try to make travel accessible to more people through information. And this week, guys, I have somewhat sad news. This is the last episode of season one. I actually cannot believe that I've done 26 full episodes. It's been so much fun and such an experience, and I'm so proud of myself. And I'm so grateful for all the wonderful people who shared their stories on the podcast and hopefully showed that travel is more accessible than you'd think. And I'm so, so, so grateful to you guys for listening each week. Honestly, it makes my heart so happy to see the support that this podcast has gotten. And I really, really appreciate you spending a little bit of your week with me and my guests. So if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, but you just listen each week, make sure and hit the subscribe button because then that will make sure that you don't miss when I do come out with season two. You'll be the first to know. And I'll obviously be sharing that on Instagram as well. So if you don't follow me there, it's at Recipe to the Road. So to finish off season one, I have a very special guest who you all loved on here the last time. It's my boyfriend, Tom. He joins me this time and we reflect on our trip the last year of traveling and working online in Mexico and Central America. I really hope you guys enjoyed the last episode and I'd love to hear your feedback as always. And if you do want to be on the podcast, go onto my Instagram or go to the show notes and click the link for the apply to be a guest form. I would love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi Tom, thanks for joining me. It's so good to see you. Hey, how are you keeping? I know it's mad. Good, it's good. weird being apart as well. We've literally been together for 14 months, glued at the hip. Like maybe I went out to the supermarket on my own once or twice. And now we've been apart for like two weeks and it's so weird. (laughs) So in today's podcast, Tom and I are just going to finish up the season of Recipe to the Road by reflecting a little bit on our own travels and our own learnings. So let's start a little bit by like what we thought about Latin America before going there and what we actually think about it now. Like so when we went to Mexico and, and Central America, was there any kind of perception that you had that was just totally quashed by our time there? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Because there's obviously the general perception that you hear when you tell people, oh, we're going over here for a year or something that's Central America. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, you're going for that long? Or anyone who's a bit older is obviously thinking it's quite dangerous. And yeah, you have a lot of people even our age stuff like that who seem to be thinking that it's just very dodgy and you have to kind of really be have your guard up at all times and every time you walk down the road you're at risk of kidnapping or something there's a bit of that mentality but then there's also quite a lot of people who've been traveling and stuff like that so yeah i kind of you didn't really know what to expect um but yeah kind of i knew a lot of that was you know here giving is completely dangerous i knew that was kind of obviously people who just didn't know but then of course my sister went traveling around there and she's like oh it was a lovely trip but i did get robbed but it was a lovely trip so kind of you're kind of going okay so maybe there is a bit of kind of um, more kind of having to have your guard up a bit more danger knocking around. But, um, yeah, kind of, it kind of went over with an open mind and we really have too much perceptions going over there. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely you learn a lot or learn a lot about the place and kind of it's, yeah, uh, I feel like it's like when you go anywhere, you can only kind of have some sort of picture in your mind of what it's going to be. And then you go there and you find out it's something totally different because you're trying to pull from different places you've been and different things you've seen and try to create an image, but it's never really that accurate. Yeah, I think 
for me, actually, I didn't even think of safety when you were saying it, but of course, that's like the biggest perception that everyone has before going. Like, I didn't even think of that, but that is obviously a huge one. What I also thought was, I think when you see like a Latin American character on an American TV show, it, there's always just like a type of person. And then you get there and you're like, oh, there's like so many different people. There's so many different, like almost races. Like there's so many in- different groups of indigenous people in different places. And then there's like this influence and that influence. Like there's no way that you can say that Latino people are one way. The Latin American people are one way. Like I think there was a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of that. What's that word? Mon, mono. Anyway, there's a lot of thinking that they're a certain way, but really like every town nearly is like completely different people. Like especially in Mexico, like every state is like a total different, like energy, people, everything. Like so that. Like, it, do- it doesn't shock me when I think about it, but just from what I had seen on TV, it definitely, I wasn't expecting it. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Even with the indigenous and stuff, it's funny, you talk to one group of indigenous and, like, people, and they're just kind of, they see themselves and the village across the way as just chalk and cheese and totally different people. And then, obviously, you know, that's just locally and close, and they'd say, oh, we have this culture, they have this culture, and obviously they see it just as, like, so different. But it's funny that, you know, you talk to someone else who's, not indigenous and they're kind of going oh the indigenous are like this so they kind of tend to be more like you know they have this culture they have this tradition and then you go talk to them they're like oh no that's not us that's the guys half an hour down the road or an hour away and kind of by the time you get the whole way across mexico is so much variety and everything is just that's so crazy so much so much variety yeah like around lake atitlan what was it there was like five or six different languages just around the lake like each village around the lake nearly had its own different version of or uh, dialect of Mayan. Yeah, you'd be you'd get taught a phrase and then you'd say it kind of you get taught it by one person, you'd say it to someone else in the area and they're like, Oh, and they know what you're saying, so you get a bit of confidence saying it and then you go one village over and you say it again, they're like, What? Well, <laughs> um and one other thing that I expect I expected there to be more dancing. So obviously in Mexico there was like loads of dancing at every opportunity and every town square would have been music had dancing, but then once we got to Central America, that just kind of stopped. They just had marching bands and they all just sat there watching marching bands. Yeah, I remember yeah, at first because when we, when we kind of got away from the Quintana Roo side, we kind of did the very, very touristy, the first place we were, were by the lead and Merida and stuff. And there was just all open squares and kind of dancing and stuff like that. Actually, more so Merida than maybe by the lead. There wasn't actually maybe as much, but just a, a lot of kind of that people dancing in squares. And it just was just really cool to see. But yeah, I remember kind of thinking, oh, this is lovely. It's, this is kind of obviously what I expect kind of it'll probably be like going forward. And then, yeah, very much I think once we went south of Mexico, kind of we, we didn't come across so much at all. No, I just did not expect all the marching bands. Yeah. I'd never heard that marching bands were a huge tradition in Central America. If there wasn't, there was some event to be celebrating. It was preparing for the event that was going to be celebrated <laughs> quite soon. So it was just like, kind of, it was like a constant kind of, I feel like once uh, one celebration stopped, they'd be preparing for the next one. So it was kind of just, yeah. A lot of margin bands of. There's always an excuse to bang a big drum. <laughs> so something else that I thought that really shocked me was the prices of everything, like the budgeting and stuff. Like, I think I thought that, like, obviously we were working remotely, but I thought that my savings, if I wasn't working remotely, would have done me for ages. But like, I don't think they would have at all. Like the budgeting was a shock to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of there was... Obviously, the bit that we were a bit more restricted by having to kind of guarantee Wi-Fi. Like, I really feel like most places we went, if we had just arrived up there and then tried to find some accommodation with Wi-Fi, we could have got much better value. 
but it was the places that would advertise, hey, I can guarantee that this is a place you can work from before you arrive. They kind of were charging more. And it makes sense that, like, you know, that's, there wasn't a whole lot of places like that often. Um, and just us kind of having the remote work or even the fact that my company didn't exactly know that I was moving from A to B as we were kind of going from place to place, like we were kind of traveling a bit more. Um, wasn't by any means lying, but just giving the impression that I was a bit more stationary. I was kind of concerned about arriving up somewhere and then being like, oh yeah, we have workable Wi-Fi. And then you kind of get up there or you arrive somewhere expecting to get Wi-Fi. And the next thing you know, you're dropping video calls. You can't, you know, facilitate any sort of uh, support for people. And then, you know, it starts, I, I kind of assume that once that starts happening once or twice in a row or it becomes a little bit of a pattern, that's when kind of things start to get a bit, uh, a bit hairy or so. So it kind of, we were a bit more, I feel like we were kind of biting the bullet and saying, all right, we're going to guarantee that we get standards we need for working. And in order to be sure you have that in advance, I think we might have been paying a bit more, but yeah. 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 I think as well, like, because the other the thing that stood out to me as being so expensive was supermarkets. And I think like if we were spending more time or we we weren't working, so we actually had time to like spend a bit of time going buying food and stuff, we'd probably go to the market. And like anytime we did go to the market, it was, well, it was a bit better value. Like I still don't think it was as good value as buying vegetables in the supermarket here, like buying vegetables in Aldi or whatever. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was like some, it, it all just depended on the places. Like there was some places where I remember even when I was in Roatan, when I went to go buy some veg and it was just like, it was looking at, I don't know, $13 for me to kind of have fed that was going to do me for the next two days. And then it turned out that like four steaks was like two fifty, And I was kind of going... That was bizarre. It was just like, it would be a bit odd or um, especially in San Pedro, uh, one of the islands in Belize. When I went to go, I wanted to go make a salad or something. And the tuna alone, a can of tuna cost $15. That was the most, I think that's the most insane one stood out to me because uh, a like lovely Italian sub with chips in a restaurant right across the way was $18. So I was going, all right, by the time I get any of the rest of the gear for the salad, go back and make it, I'm, I'm going to be short. And I could have just gone across the road and got a, like a full paid lunch to go. So granted, that's kind of your, you know, we're talking $18 for, for a lunch. It's, that's not cheap anyways, but it was just yeah. the, the ratio I found out. Yeah. Often we, we, we weren't hugely saving by doing the responsible thing and getting our food and cooking it back at the, back at the apartments or the, the hostels. Yeah. I'd say the cheapest everywhere, the cheapest thing you could do if you're not vegan is eat street food. If you're not vegan and you don't care about getting like a balanced meal, is just eating street food. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because that, that 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 is outrageously cheap a lot of the time. Like you remember even that time we were knocked around in uh, Via Hermosa and it was six pesos for a taco. So what is it, like 21, 21 pesos is a euro equivalent. So, you know, you're getting yourself the best part of, you know, four or so tacos for a single euro or you have your lunch for two euro and then if you want to go to the shop and buy yourself stuff it's going to cost you three euro just to get your one or two bits of veg so yes it's it's i feel like you have to be i say a bit more flexible and even as you mentioned there before if we had time to be knocking around we could have wandered and stuff like that we kind of would have either arrived somewhere and you're trying to get a bit of food so you can have breakfast or you're getting your lunch from work and you're kind of wanting to get back to work or something you're kind of just trying to find something a bit more you're hungry at that stage, you want to find something that you can grab and go back, cook it, eat. So if you were kind of wandering around and as I say, just if we weren't too concerned about the balanced diet and you weren't, you had it all the time of the day, just kind of be meandering around seeing the place while stumbling across these food restaurants and stuff, I'd say you can definitely do it a, a lot cheaper. Yeah, that is true. Out of like everything 
that we did talk about or not even everything that we talked about what's the biggest thing that you've learned from your experience traveling um people are good people in general like the that thing of even when people are saying like no it can be dangerous here it can be dangerous here you're kind of going yeah but like you know anywhere can be dangerous you like you walk down the wrong you go into the wrong area and most of the cities in ireland or something like that you know you're going to find yourself in a dangerous area or not even like when you say dangerous area it's not as if like you walk in here and you're definitely getting robbed or anything but you can just come across the wrong people at the wrong time certain places it's been more likely than others but for the most part like people are just yeah, decent people trying to help you out you know it's there, there's a couple of bad eggs anywhere you go but it doesn't really seem like you know at any stage you're walking around you're like oh, okay everyone's looking at us it seems like any person is waiting for a chance to jump and you know kind of pounce or something and kind of rob you or do something i just i didn't really get that and any time there was even somewhere where i know even like when managua one of our last stops there was kind of we were kind of told when i was a bit more of a area you have to keep your guard up and sure enough when we arrived there there was just one or two people who were kind of look, immediately looking out for us there was an elderly lady who literally as we we're getting off the bus she goes come with me i'll make sure you get a taxi with good value didn't even ask her didn't say anything she just it seems that the more there maybe is um things to be careful of in an area the more people will go out of their way to help you and kind of people look out band together that sort of thing so yeah. i know people are, it seems that there's always good people and there's always the good to counteract the bad in yeah. every area yeah in guatemala city because obviously that has a bit of a reputation too it scared me more how much the locals were like looking out for me and then like be careful now be safe than actually any like i didn't have any bad experiences from anyone but except for locals being nice and being like be careful look after yourself that i was like do i need to look after myself <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly like no i think yeah and then people are always just like, you found that time you're in certain situations and stuff, just people were kind of looking to help. And I don't know, yeah, it just, it just seems like everyone, people are good people everywhere you go that, you know, everyone's just, you know, living their own life kind of, um, trying, their know, trying to get, get by, have their own struggles, their own things to deal with. And most people are fairly decent yeah. people. Yeah. I think what, what I realized is that privilege, and like, I think I maybe knew this on paper, but like, I really fully understood it, is that privilege is more than money. And like, you know, I definitely already knew that before traveling, but I didn't understand it to the level that I do. Like when you see like people are like, they're probably making a lot of money, but they're maybe still struggling or there's, I don't know, like there's, I feel like if maybe, maybe I'm being ridiculous here, but like if we were dropped into a random place somewhere in the world, we'd probably be able to make ends meet and get ourselves by and get set up in some way, shape or form. But some people just haven't had that base in life or that start in life where they've been given the privilege and given the opportunities that they can make opportunities for themselves like when you hear that stuff like everyone has 24 hours in a day the same 24 hours in a day or whatever obviously that's like a load of rubbish because and like I think we all know that I don't think that's anything new but actually seeing how hard people are working and then they're working really hard at something that isn't really pushing them that far forward in terms of like growth or wealth or something because they just never had that background or they don't see it around them or something I think that right. was huge and white privilege which I didn't at first I didn't really think that you get white privilege in somewhere like that because as I said like I thought that it makes you stand out as people will think you have more money so you're more likely to be a target but then there was the time we were on that bus and they took all the foreign people off the bus everyone who didn't have a Guatemalan passport got taken off the bus except for us 
we were the only he made us stand up and then he looked at us and he made us sit right back down that was it as well he said to show us the passports and I opened my bag and I had my my flights over to Cancun were booked on my old passport which expired so then he opened it up and he sees that I have two passports and he just kind of goes no um, that's yeah that's not right and he kind of brings me up and I was going all right yeah this is like that's a fair reason to be taking me off you know it's kind of it looks a bit shady there especially when we were kind of going from the route we were kind of going from Guatemala back towards Mexico which is a bit more of a route for people trying to move up towards the US or something so I think it's there's a lot more things there so that obviously just raises a bit of a flag or something and then he just kind of goes ah you're grand yeah. and let us down and everyone else had to get off who wasn't uh, if you weren't Guatemalan you were you were getting taken off yeah. and their bags searched and everything I think oh yeah yeah because we were waiting with the bus moved on and, and thank god because the bus moved on at first and I thought that was like just game over for them kind of like as in they can make their way back to the station and get another one and I was thinking how many times is that going to happen on repeat yeah. but they uh, thank god the bus did pull up at the next block it was just looking for somewhere to pull over and waited so yeah. they were able to get the bags and walk at a block and get back that home. was that was pretty intense and then after that happened I think I noticed it more like at any border or any encounter like I suppose like even then like I reflected on the other times before that like when I didn't have my when we forgot to bring our passports in Honduras when we were going to Copa and Runas and we got pulled over by the police and called off the bus and neither of us had our passports and we didn't have a picture of our stamp in Honduras all things that you shouldn't do all things anyone listen take note <laughs> and th- yeah. I showed the guard my age card which for anyone who's not Irish it's like this little card that you get that you use for as ID for buying alcohol and going into pubs and clubs. Like it's not an official ID. It's just for showing your age. And I showed him that and he asked me if it was a police ID. And I said, yes. But then I think he was actually saying like, is it the ID you get for being in the police? I don't know. But I feel like, again, if we weren't European, that whole interaction wouldn't have gone as well either. Like, yeah, it really made me think back on all the other times we got away with not having the right papers and how other people absolutely even like yeah def. someone that we met was saying that in san cristobal was saying that he would get he was and he's black he was saying that he'd get pulled stopped by the police and if he didn't have his passport he'd have to pay like a bribe and then that would that was that but like still the fact that he was just targeted every time and had to either pay the bribe or have his passport which is pretty dodgy absolutely and i do think there's obviously a little element as well of tourism comes and brings in money and stuff so kind of they view they do see white people as be more privileged and have more money and for the most part it's not wrong by any means so they're going to see in it like here this is you know a lot of people are selling stuff in stalls and these different like, things there when you're walking along in these markets or tourists the areas and it's probably a lot of tourists coming from the US and Europe who are coming down and buying that stuff and using it there so they don't want to scare it away same time same as when we were in San Pedro Sula and the guy was giving us stuff for free and you could tell that everyone was making a real effort to kind of they don't want the tourism to come back in. So I think there's an element to that as well. And when you're not seen as a person from maybe one of the desired countries of bringing in the money, people don't really care to be as courteous to you. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that really kind of made a big impact for me anyways was the way I got treated as a woman in different countries, as you know, because you always heard me complaining about it. But do you think that you ever felt that you were treated a different way for being a man in Latin American countries than you did elsewhere. No. No, just simply no. Um, like, yes, it's just, I hope to kind of elaborate on it, but no, I know I was told for the most part, like I'm over six foot and have a beard. Like, it's not as if I'm, they, you know, walking around, they're just saying that beards are kind of seen as a lot in Central America as a bit kind of scruffy or kind of basically someone who's well kept and proper. 
doesn't have a bit of a scraggly beard so it's kind of seen as you're a bit more wily or something so if there's someone walking down the road and they don't have a beard and someone is walking down the road and they do have a beard they kind of go all right well the person who doesn't have the beard is more likely to have money the person who does have a beard is more likely to hit you back <laughs> apparently that's kind of what i've been told like it's the kind of the general impression so just being over six foot and having a bit of a scraggly beard you know kind of most people are fairly just i know respectful in that sort of way now i don't know how much that played into it obviously at no stage was i shaving or walking around shorter mm. i actually even remember just when we were in oaxaca just at one stage and we were just uh, chatting with a few people and we just said something about having uh, we'll pretend to be bouncers or something and one or one someone just goes yeah well here you're a scary looking lad so yeah actually no one to, like no one do something there and that's just like what and so and someone else goes yeah yeah, yeah. and i was kind of like oh and it wasn't like an offensive thing just kind of like obviously they're friendly with it but just like that kind of thing of value scary a scary looking lad and that's kind of that was it the, the the beard or the height or i don't know there kind of maybe it's the i don't know there but just that impression that i don't think anyone was really treating me much different to that sort of way and yeah. we were never where i was walking around in you know baiters or different clothes that i'd never got the impression that someone was viewing me as the the guy with the big wallet in the back pocket yeah yeah whereas then for me i think i really noticed it and especially the further south we went i really noticed how i was treated differently to you like i think the worst was like no offense to nicaragua it was a nice country but it was really the worst there like when we got to the stage where people were coming up trying to sell us stuff and they were just ignoring me and only talking to you like I, that was yeah. that was my worst experience well not like my my least my my most noticeable experience of being treated differently but i have to say anyone that came up trying to sell us drugs on the street always addressed both of us so <laughs> thanks to the yeah, drug dealers for not being sexist <laughs> Yeah, that was actually funny just noticing that pattern. I remember you pointed it out at one stage, and then after that, I just couldn't help but noticing that everyone was kind of just like, you know, hey, sir, to me, or something like that, and just like straight by you, or even if you were asking for, I think now and again, you could ask the question and they'd answer, they'd answer to me. You. you know, that sort of thing. And that, that kind of like just almost like, there's just, just completely going, oh, right, that's the person, in, you know, that's the person we're talking to in charge there, you know, kind of just a bit of a backward mentality. But I think that if anyone's selling drugs is just not going to get rid of the drugs. They don't. <laughs> they don't care so yeah. yeah it was funny to just notice that. I appreciated it <laughs> and then the other really bad one which again got worse as we got south was the hey baby or you say oh, it you yeah. say it really well the, hey baby <laughs> hey baby <laughs> that was so bad and ugh, it just made my skin crawl because sometimes they'd say hi to you first and you'd turn around and be like oh hi like hey Tal like how are you and then they'd be like hey baby <laughs> Hey, baby. And like they wouldn't care yeah. if it's like it's just you and them on a street. They don't care that you might feel threatened. They don't care that you feel endangered. They don't care that you feel like you're you're been talked down to. They just don't care. Like they just I don't know what their objective is. I suppose it's the same as wolf whistling anywhere. Like what is their objective? They're, they're not. Really, <laughs> they're not really yeah, gonna get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I, I think it's 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 not. I I don't feel like even as, as much um, them in expecting at, like anything from yourself in terms of even like a reaction or thing there i think it's kind of a just teenage boy mentality that sort of way of kind of like they've got there there with their three friends and they're trying to impress them by catcalling like i think mm. it's them trying to like it's just that kind of you see about like you know the load of 14 year olds and they're they're trying to act tough and trying to do things like i don't think they're actually concerned as much about what the people they're doing it to or yeah and just for the record like the majority were totally fine and respectful but this was just the people that i noticed the loud people that kind of would make it noticeable but then on the flip side in belize which is in central america but it wouldn't be as much latin american culture it's more caribbean culture 
the men there made me feel like a queen if I was on my own. <laughs> Anytime I went out without Tom, they'd literally be coming up to me and they'd start chatting, like, who are you here with? And I'd say, I'd mention Tom. And they'd be like, oh, will you tell your boyfriend that he has a beautiful girlfriend? And like something like that. Or tell your boyfriend I don't mind sharing <laughs> or something, but like so playful and silly and respectful. And then they'll keep on talking to you like as if they, they're, the only reason they're talking to you isn't just because they want to ask you out on a date. Like, and like they would ask you out on a date. So they did have an objective, but then they'd keep talking because they're just, they were just nice people. Like they, they were, it was so respectful in a really playful way. There's a more cheering you on and like, you yeah. know, like just being a cheerleader kind of a, like, a, go on, you, you go do that. Like you're like, yeah, you're a queen or something like that, right? As opposed to, yeah, that kind of like cat calling. Yeah. And again, like it's not to say that it's, a certain way in each country. It's just these were the people who shouted loudest and the people who shouted loudest in Belize were, were my cheerleaders and I loved it. <laughs> but I did, I've seen like blogs and stuff that warn you about Belize. They're like, oh, people won't leave you alone. Like blah, blah, blah. They're really threatening. But I can say from my experience, I never felt threatened. Like I nearly felt like I was making a new friend, like who started out with a bit of jokey flirting, but like it was like, what is that thing? Flanter. That's what it was. <laughs> Flirty yeah. banter. Absolutely. Yeah. And just kind of a bit of fun. And like at the same time, you know, it's not the, if someone comes up, you know, so if you're, if someone's on a night out and someone comes up and they're kind of, their intention is, hey, I'm going to try to chat this girl up. But as soon as it becomes clear that like, as like they're, that's not an option, they're kind of like, oh yeah, cool. We'll just talk for the fun of it anyways. Like yeah. that's kind of like, that's fine. You know, I know obviously if you're having a nonstop stream of people coming up trying to chat you up, it can probably be a bit tiring or so. Um, I could imagine that, but it just seems in the way that it's kind of, it's not that. Kind of someone's coming up trying their case. You, they realize it's a lost cause in, in that sense, and then they just kind of, oh hey, oh, I'm out of here. And the next guy comes up. It's kind of actually people just kind of coming up, chatting, and almost like, okay, well, they think you're good looking. There's nothing wrong with that. They're trying to shoot their shot. There's nothing wrong with that if it's done in a respectful way. And as soon as they realize it's off the table, they're kind of like, oh cool, well, we're just casually kind of everyone's hanging out, having fun. Yeah, it's just a bit more like nice and respectful. Like you can't blame someone for. Can't blame someone for trying, you know, that sort of way, yeah. a little bit as long as it's on the right way. You know, at a certain point, that's how like that's how everyone ends up with a partner. Yeah, well, maybe there's a little bit actually. You no, know, in Ireland, it's not quite that. It's a lot more <laughs> awkwardly, be awkwardly kind of dance around each other for four months. But yeah, yeah. And then on the kind of like perception of things as well. Another a thing that a lot of people think is dangerous is hitchhiking. And see, we did not a whole lot of hitchhiking, but a little bit of hitchhiking. We probably did it in four countries. Yeah. Yeah, four or five of the countries we went to and it was it was fun. Got to like especially in El Salvador, a lot of people in El Salvador speak a bit of English, so between our Spanish and their English, we could actually have a little chat with people and like meet locals, find out what they're at. I really, really liked that. Absolutely. I almost loved there was one time even hitchhiking <laughs> that time where I was just trying to walk over to the one spot by myself and hitchhiking and the guy pulled up and like the car was loaded like the car was just fully loaded and i managed to just get in the front seat like lift up this huge rake of bananas that he had like in these boxes or something and kind of just almost lifted up enough that i could slot myself in like a tetris piece or something it's kind of funny but he was trying to chat away and he didn't really have any english um so we're chatting away in spanish but it's almost that thing of while well, speaking spanish in the country our like, spanish is a phenomenal but it's not that terrible it kind of can get by even that might be Sometimes in different situations might be flattering myself too much, but they, uh, yeah, in those situations, I feel people really want to understand you, they can understand you, and you can kind of get by. Like, if someone, yeah. if, yeah, like the difference between if someone owns a shop and you're trying to ask for something as opposed to if they're 
it's a Walmart or something and then you're they were getting there whatever an hour you find out when someone owns the shop and they're looking to make the sale the conversation goes much smoother and if someone's yeah. in a car being friendly picking you up they want to ask you questions you manage to actually get through quite a lot and you can converse quite a bit as opposed to someone who just you can tell that they're kind of like oh, they're not bothered or oh, this is you know they're a bit tired or they're kind of you're asking for help and they're kind of just not really in the mood or something like that mm. which to be honest isn't that often it's most people are very very friendly and helpful um but yeah when someone isn't really doesn't really care if the conversation works or not it's a lot more of a stress and when they want to help or when they want to learn or learn about you or ask you questions then you're like oh well, this this is actually going fairly smooth yeah and that's the ones in in cars yeah the ones that pick you up i also loved as well in roatan when so roatan if it, for anyone that's not familiar with it is a very like kind of quite expensive touristy place where a lot of people come for a week's holiday or whatever and when we were there, we hitchhiked in the back of a truck with a load of construction workers. And you could just see all the tourists around who were getting in taxis looking at us and like, what are they doing in that truck with all the local construction workers? Because yeah, there's, the lo- there's, kind of, there's quite a divide there because of all the cruise ships. So especially because everyone's on the cruise ships coming in. So they're kind of, they're not really doing the backpackers trade or anything like that. And I think Utila is where most of the backpackers go, but it didn't have Wi-Fi. So we're kind of a Roatan base. So you can see everyone's coming off their cruise ships getting kind of um, shepherded around in these kind of nice fancy shuttles or something like that and so I think most people who were locals and stuff expected most of the tourists to be that kind of quite blowing money you know crew, cruise ship cruise tour type people and so we were kind of we were just like actually could you mind do you mind if we a lot of locals jump into the back of the pickup truck and we're just like do you mind if we hop in you mind like uh yeah and I think the locals were getting a kick out of the white tourists hopping in the back of the pickup truck so casually and all the rest of the tourists were getting a kick out of seeing these like white tourists hopping and things so from both sides it seemed like we were somewhere <laughs> in the middle of kind of you know, kind of everyone was getting a bit of a laugh out of it but once again everyone's just so friendly and having like fun like you know they're almost joking about it which you yeah yeah is there anything that challenged you while traveling that like i mean that you overcame or that you kind of like felt like you grew from i i know well there was kind of the the i don't know there's the moving from spot to spot kind of just finding your your feet everywhere and kind of getting used to it but i kind of feel like we were pretty good for that we kind of just got used to being unsettled mm. which is kind of a thing like you know it's not that i would have ever been someone who was kind of home comforts or that sort of way in any way but i suppose the fact you're just going to a new spot every time like i would have maybe found that say making lunch or uh, making cups of tea or something like that now and again if you're kind of working and you're kind of trying to cook and working around people and there's two or three people in the kitchen and then you're kind of all right away for them to be finished and then as the one person finishes someone else is coming in you're kind of trying not to dance around and you just kind of get used to kind of the hustle and bustle and a little bit of kind of like oh is that pan free there cool i'll kind of take that and i'll lean over you and we'll knock around whereas you kind of just you you might have kind of previously been like god i wouldn't mind waiting for just a bit more space or that sort of thing to cook your lunch and then you're kind of like ah, yeah, just get over that a little bit mm. but i don't know if that was so much uh something that we I would have, you even would have been overly uncomfortable doing as a kind of thing of the first few places we were as a lot more the short holiday trail so there was a lot more times that these kitchens and stuff would have been very free and then as you get more uh, the more like long-term backpacker trails where everyone's using the kitchens you kind of just well, i would have been maybe waiting for it to be free and then realizing that's never going to be actually free between the hours of 12 and 2 so you kind of just start jumping around people a bit more yeah um, i think then there was also yeah you kind of had to learn when to be kind and when to be stern i feel like there was times where you know we would be you want to be nice to everyone but sometimes you know if someone's trying to push you into a 
a shuttle and saying it's going off this direction and you're going that's fine what's the price and they're kind of like talking and doing these and you have to be like hey i'm like you know they're kind of just saying different stuff and then you have to eventually be just kind of starting to be like hey i'm asking a question answer my question now and it's not mm. that you're, you know that almost feels like you're being rude but you kind of have to get a bit of a judgment when to be friendly when to be stern feel like I'm, I'm definitely going to get off this call now and think <laughs> ah, sure this and this and that but just off the top of my head i'm kind of a bit more unsure um, yeah 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 for me i think the biggest thing was like being scared of things and then just having to do them because obviously health and safety was a little bit more lax so the huge one was when we did the caves so we did this tour and you go to caves you go like half an hour in through these caves all you have is a candle for light and you're just climbing over things and up ladders and sliding down rocks and I just didn't expect it to I my body just reacted my body just started shaking and then we had to climb up a ladder and then we had to like jump over something or climb over something and all those different things and it absolutely terrified me but just enough that it would just comfortably push me out of my comfort zone so there was like things like that and then there was the germs oh my god I'm so much less of a germaphobe since traveling like at the beginning I'd have to wash every mug in the kitchen with like my own sponge because I didn't want to use the sponge from the kitchen as a hostel because I didn't know how often it was washed and like by the end I was like maybe I'll give it a little swish around of boiling water before no I'd always put, swish it around of boiling water before I put the tea in but yeah I got so much more laps, lax about germs which is good because like I'd be looking at everyone and I'm like none of these people care about germs like they're just using things out of the cupboard and not even thinking about it and they're like I don't know dropping food on the counter and picking it up and eating it again but they don't know when that counter was wiped and they're all still alive so maybe I can be like a little bit more like that too <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I feel like you well you probably know well yeah, as, as, as far as the, my family are being really good that kind of not that anyone we the tidy people or something like that but it's always been a kind of you know drop something on the floor pick it up throw it back in the pan no worries and we've kind of always been a bit more of that like ah sure yeah it won't do you any harm good for immune system kind of type people so yeah i feel like that was one where now and again if something yeah i feel like that was that was something where kind of that that stood to me yeah there. and then yeah i feel like the yeah caves and stuff obviously that would be probably from a young age i would have just been very excited to go into a cave those sort of things so yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was funny, but yeah, no, it's it's made like it, it is the definitely germ thing is is such a thing. Like, yeah, I remember you you done so yeah you did so well because it, obviously it is uh it is a, something that like it's difficult if you're kind of I don't know if it's kind of like if you saw a spoon like someone you don't know lick a spoon and then they hand it to you to eat food like it's difficult to kind of when you're feeling a bit revolted by stuff yeah. and then to try eat it it's kind of difficult so you overcame all of that very I think you took everything in your stride in that sense. It took its time, but I got used to it. <laughs> But I think another thing that we didn't really think about was like that we learned is that we learned to literally be together 24 hours a day and not kill each other, which was, it was like, that was definitely like a big growth thing because you are like so much more on top of each other traveling than you would be in any other kind of, like, I guess, living together situation. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like a mix of just being on top of each other and then, you know, you kind of have the age of your spaces or your things that you used to do, your routines or friends you'd go meeting and stuff like that, like in when you're in Canada or when we're living together. But obviously when you're traveling, it's kind of like you're going meeting the same people or you're going doing the same thing. And then you're kind of, even when you're working together, you kind of, you're in the same room. And now and again, you're kind of trying to almost like we'd be trying to balance with each other who is a meeting and maybe who's got the more, the meeting that requires them to be 
quieter like maybe if I have a training where I kind of have a bunch of people I'm training who aren't supposed to know that I'm you know sitting in a hostel somewhere giving this training it's supposed to be kind of I'm, the, I'm telling them that I'm there they can rely on me for support and meanwhile there's like people clinking beers and <laughs> laughing in the background that kind of doesn't go across too well and then there's times where obviously you're trying to setting up your your company you have to be much more official so even just trying to yeah bounce those off each other it can be kind of like we're in the same room trying to see like who has to leave the room at any one time before coming back in yeah it's very much top of each other but I think that's just yeah once again it's just vocalizing things yeah saying it realizing that when someone says something it's you're kind of saying it like not not constructive criticism but someone saying hey this is this is frustrating me this is upsetting me that we're kind of you're you're seeing it as a this person is being open as opposed to this person is being critical and stuff yeah and we did do a whole two-part podcast on this as well about what it's like traveling with someone so if anyone is interested in learning more about that you can check out episode I can't remember what number it was but I'll link it in the show notes anyways but yeah I think definitely it was like a growth experience for our relationship traveling together for so long yeah absolutely but yeah I think we've covered loads and everything that we all our reflections on the last year of traveling but one thing that I never did in the whole podcast when I was asking everyone is I never actually did the quick fire round so Tommy if you would like to join me while I do the quick fire round as we finish up for the end of season one my favorite country and I'm just going to do it based on this trip but my favorite country in this trip was El Salvador I think we didn't spend enough time there for it to really, for me to really, really know. But based on the two weeks we spent there, it was, I just loved it so much. I loved the people. I just loved how like open they were. They were like a little bit like Irish people, but also like Latin American people. Like they were just, just everything. They were just amazing. I loved it. Absolutely. I think that was validated as well by talking to other people. Like obviously, you know, when we were there for a short amount of time, you could kind of maybe just get a, a quicker snippet of an impression so that you know if you're there somewhere for longer you know for certain that you have your opinion validated like by being there but yeah i think the i think everywhere we went after it when we talked to people and kind of said this is the vibe we got it was like oh yeah 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 definitely so i kind of think that was a it wasn't just our impression so i definitely think yeah you're, that's a good one yeah and then for my favorite accommodation i was like like, I actually didn't even think about these questions. And, like, it, is, it actually is a quick fire round for me. And I'm, like, trying to think, think like, off the top of my head. Even though I've had a whole season to prepare, I just haven't prepared. So the favourite accommodation that kind of, like, came to mind just before we did this podcast was Zephyr Lodge in Guatemala. So Zephyr Lodge was a hostel, but it was... It looked like a hotel, like a hotel resort. It's in, like, the... No, it's actually not in the mountains. It's... It's sort of in the mountains. It's in a mm. valley near Semuc Champagne, which is an absolutely beautiful site that you can go see in Guatemala. And they have an amazing pool and it's like an infinity pool. And you can see the sun rise on one side of the valley and set on the other side of the valley. And they have like music and like a bit of partying and games. But they're so good at reading the vibe of the people, I thought. So like one of the nights it was like really party party when everyone was up for it. And then other nights when everyone was just a lot more chill and just chatting and playing pool, they didn't put the music up that loud and everyone did just get to chat and play pool and have a kind of chill night. And we obviously, we got upgraded. We were in a dorm and then there was a mix up with the third night of our booking. So Tom and I got upgraded to a private room and it was the fanciest private room, I'd say, that we went in, even compared to like 
the expensive like resort. Oh, absolutely! I was gonna say you could have put the bunk beds in the shower. That was a mad one, like. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I think that's my favorite accommodation on this trip, anyways. The only uh, that that was that was very cool. Sorry, I forgot I have to come across there. Um, but the the only yeah the, that that was an amazing spot. While those you you were paying for that one. Yeah, that private room was like. I don't know what it costs. Like it, it cost so much that we didn't even consider staying in the private room. So it was probably, but like, like you're definitely getting luxury for what you paid for, but you were paying for it. Yeah, that's true. Like the dorms are pretty reasonable. And even staying in the dorms there, like I think I still would have said it was my favorite just staying in the dorms. Yeah. yeah. No, no, that was just the, the room was just kind of an added like crazy bonus where like, you know, we were already in love with the place and then they just gave us that and we were kind of just going, who are we? Like we had a couch kind of in the, yeah, like in a, we're in a hospital, we had a room with a couch and this sort of thing, you're just going, what? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I think like runner up then, I really liked where you stayed in Guatemala. Oh, sorry, in Antigua, Guatemala. So Guatemala's really coming up with the accommodation with Yuri's, in Yuri's place. It was an Airbnb and it was just like this building around a courtyard and there was just loads of different Airbnbs and we had this lovely courtyard to use and a lovely balcony. And it was just like, it was just a really nice place to be at our home because we stayed there for a month. So that was, that was a really good one as well. That was very cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. And obviously I have to mention CO404, the co-working, co-living hostel that we all loved and we made so many friends in and we will definitely return to someday. I would have been offended if you didn't mention it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that was a really long answer. Uh, sorry about that. So my favourite food, this is going to be quicker, my favourite food is tacos and my specific favourite taco was in lime and chili, no, what was it called? Mango y chile. Yeah, yeah mango y chile in bacalar. And it was the crunchy tofu, tofu taco, which means crunchy tofu taco. And it was all vegan and it was absolutely amazing. And you could get a milkshake to go with it. And it was just the absolute best. That was absolutely unbelievable, yeah. And then my fave memory is another one that I really should have gave more thought to because I actually had the time to, but I didn't. And what came to my mind just there as I was thinking about it is when we were in Valladolid all the way back at our first or like the beginning of our trip, and it was, we didn't realize that they would have a pride parade in Valladolid because we thought it was like a small enough town, like surrounded by rural areas. It was like a city that just turned into farmland, like at the edges, like it wasn't that built up at all. So I really didn't think that there would be much of a pride celebration there. And it was so good. Like, I know we didn't even really go to that much of it, but we just caught the parade as we were arriving back in from Chichen Itza. And the whole community was out and then they had the stage and the drag show and there was like all the old people out on their like little fold up chairs sitting down to watch it. It like, it really felt like the whole community was out to celebrate their LGBTQ plus neighbours. Like it wasn't like, this is like your festival, now you can go off and enjoy that. It was like, let's all celebrate them, it's their month. And it was, it's probably the most heartwarming pride kind of thing that i've seen because the whole community was involved I, oh yeah absolutely i feel like every like all the rest of north america like usa and canada and europe and all could take a, a leaf out of that that book and stuff because it was just as i say like a lot of times you go to pride it's kind of like everyone's like having a big party and celebrating it but it's, as i say it's kind of like all right you guys have your time there to celebrate or you guys do this and but it's kind of like well, yeah, where you guys go have your fun and yeah. you, you can have your, your pride day 
but this is kind of like a hey let's all get together and celebrate everyone like is in we appreciate you we were like you know kind of actually celebrating them as opposed to kind of just like oh yeah you you guys can you do you it was kind of like no go on you do you how about it like it was just a way more kind of like i know the whole mentality was just a bit more like yeah it was a celebrating everyone was celebrating them not just them able to celebrate themselves yeah it was just it was so community based and like really like in mexico like anywhere we went, I feel like was so, and especially we saw it during June because it was Pride Month, so people were a bit more like putting things out there. But like I felt Mexico was really open minded and really, yeah, like to to a lot of people, but specifically LGBTQ plus was just so accepted there, which I didn't expect with it being a Catholic country. But they're kind of like Catholics without the guilt and without the discrimination. I found. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of with the the whole very family based and you know some similar traditions and all these things and you know everyone very quite religious and church going and stuff like that but yeah it just seems like they're I don't know whoever was leading the churches over there the priests and stuff like that weren't kind of using kind of twisting stuff to be like everyone fall in line and you should be ashamed of yourself you don't fit the cookie cutter mold is kind of a we're all children of God sort of type way kind of it just yeah. it had a bit more of a wholesome wholesome thing about it absolutely. Yeah, should they be singing in church and everything there? Like, they have a great time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, so that is my quick fire round, which wasn't quick at all. I was probably the worst at being quick fire out of everyone that was on the podcast. <laughs> and I had a whole season to prepare for it. But, anyways, that's my quick fire round. And that's Tom and my reflections on our last year of traveling. And that is it for season one of Recipe to the Road podcast. But we will definitely be coming back at some stage when I manage to get my head straight and get a few more interviews done. We'll definitely be coming back. If if anyone is interested in being on the podcast, you can apply to be a guest. You can get the link in my bio on Instagram or you can get it in the show notes. Tom, thank you so much for joining me again. That's been a great season. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for listening to Recipe to the Road podcast. If you want to contact the show or you have any comments or questions, you can get me on Instagram at recipe to the road or by email recipe to the road at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow my journey and see what I'm doing at the moment, you can also see that on my Instagram at recipe to the road. Thank you for listening. Bye.